Welcome to the Shanna Plan. This is episode 77. I am your host, Akash Anamaroth, and today I uh, wanted to start off by saying happy birthday to my co-host, Kyle Posey, um, one, of the, one of the coolest dudes, uh, wishing him a happy birthday, uh, hope he's enjoying tonight. So filling in for him is our awesome producer, Rob. Rob, how are you doing? What's up, Akash? I'm, I'm talking my way through it. That's how I'm doing. <laughs> I think we all are. Um, it's been a weird few days. I'm sure if you're listening to the podcast, you know by now that the 49ers have been eliminated from the playoffs. They lost on Sunday in the NFC Championship game 20-17. to 17. Um, Obviously came down to the wire, and they just couldn't make enough plays down the stretch. And it's been, it's been a weird couple of days um, with, you know, all the things that have been said, the exit pressers, the way the team reacted, Debo Samuel crying on the sidelines. Uh, I was there in Los Angeles for the game. It was an unreal experience. I would highly recommend anyone who's listening to go to SoFi Stadium when the 49ers go play there. Just because it's a really cool stadium. It's in a really neat spot. Obviously, there's a ton of 49ers fans down in SoCal. An easy flight, easy travel down. And they just packed the hell out of the stadium. And it was just neat to see that many away fans at, you know, away playoff game take over like that. And um, a lot of people were disappointed leaving, obviously, but I think they're appreciative of the season that the 49ers put together uh, just because they were at three and five at one point, And the last three weeks um, leading up to the NFC title game were as good of a stretch as Kyle Shanahan's had with the 49ers, three road, you know, three road wins over 12 win teams, just really amazing stuff. Um, but we'll be here to break it all down. Please rate, subscribe, review to the Shannon plan to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. It may be the offseason, but we're going to keep bringing the content. We're going to keep slinging takes. Um, Rob and I were just talking before we hit record. Combine's around the corner. Free agency's around the corner. The NFL draft will be here before you know it. So we're just going to keep bringing content. So stick with us. Um, Rob, what did you think of the NFC Championship game and just kind of how it's unfolded after? The weird thing for me is like I can't decide if this year was – a success or a disappointment because on the one hand to get to the NFC championship game, that's a damn good season. But on the other hand, like Leo Luna was saying yesterday in the Oh, Hey there podcast, once you're there and you're up by 10 going into the fourth quarter and Jaquaski tart has an interception in his hands for so long that Joe Buck on the TV broadcast actually says the ball is picked. Like, Don't your expectations have to change? Don't you then expect to win in that spot? So I go back and forth like hour to hour, whether I have like happy memories of the season or whether I'm disappointed. Absolutely. I think leading up to that game, and I'd said this after they had made the playoffs, that it was they were really playing with house money given what had happened this season and given our preseason expectations. Kyle and I, when we laid out, you know, our expectations for the season before it began, we thought they can get into the playoffs and potentially make some magic, we'd consider that a successful season, especially if it's Jimmy Garoppolo starting at quarterback. And, you know, at, at very various points during the season, it didn't seem like they'd get there, but they got there. And they won two road playoff games. And we can, you know, talk about how they won those playoff games till the cows come home, but they did it. And they put themselves in a position to potentially make another Super Bowl. And once they got to the NFC title game, like you mentioned, 
especially against a familiar opponent in the Los Angeles Rams, a team that they had beaten six straight times, you know, in Los Angeles where you knew it wouldn't be a hostile road environment. You just began to stack the reasons and you thought, man, there's a real possibility the 49ers could be going to the Super Bowl as the week went on. And, you know, the energy in the stadium definitely mirrored that sentiment uh, leading up to the game. And I was telling Rob this before we hit record, when George Kittle scored that touchdown to go up 10 points, the place erupted. Because I think the 49ers fans in the stadium started to, th- started to believe, like, this is really possible. Because they hadn't really played well in the first half. They weren't really executing. They weren't moving the ball. The Rams were punishing them on the ground. The defense was looking shaky. Yet they were up at halftime. They were up double digits. And you could just, you could, there was a belief in the stadium. And then obviously Kwaski Tart drops the interception with uh, nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter. The offense sputters down the stretch, you know, in those last few drives. Defense couldn't really put together a stop. Um, more, you know, more credit to Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, but. You know, that's the way those those games go down. They're always tight. And uh, ultimately, the Rams just made more plays down the stretch to win that. But I think the more we get away from that game, we'll appreciate how how good this 49ers season was and how many teams would, you know, kill to be in that spot in the NFC title game. And 49ers have been in two of those the last in the last three seasons. And ultimately, I think they'll put themselves in a position to be there again with Trey Lance in the future. Well, that's kind of the big question, right? Because going into this season, it was like, hey, Kyle Shanahan's only had one good year, really. You know, he's had a lot of 10 lost seasons. And now just the way this season ended and getting in and making this playoff run, I feel like it's kind of flipped, right? It's like, hey, Kyle Shanahan's been in at least the NFC Championship game in two out of the last three years. So now it's like tipping in the other direction. Do you think that we kind of have like turned a page now? We're we're past like those... 10 loss struggle years with Kyle Shanahan and we should be expecting playoffs and playoff runs every year. I think it's fair to expect that given what we've seen when Kyle Shanahan's had a healthy, healthy starting level capable quarterback in obviously in 2017, their rebuilding team. You can kind of throw that out in 2018. Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt early in the season. Like you can't expect much out of the backup quarterbacks. And then in 2019 and 2021, he has Jimmy Garoppolo for basically the entire season. And, you know, the, it, the season's ended either in the NFC Championship or the Super Bowl. And in 2020, obviously, a ton of injuries hit again. So, you know, if, if, if Trey Lance stays healthy and they're able to keep this core together, which is extremely talented, I think it's fair to expect them to be, you know, in the mix for the playoffs. I think, especially in the NFL, the way the playoffs are set up, it's hard to put Super Bowl expectations. Really, there's only one team, I think, now that has Super Bowl or bust expectations, and that's Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, just given who their quarterback is, who their coach is. I think that's really the only team and fan base that gets disappointed when they don't win the Super Bowl. Every other fan base, I think, gets thrilled if their team you know, is in these big games in big spots. I mean, I think it was like 52 million people watched that game and the 49ers fan base, one of the biggest in the NFL. So they're thrilled just to be in these big time games. It obviously stings and hurts when they lose, but they'll look back on it and it they'll appreciate that. It's a lot better being in those spots than it is to be six and 11 and out of the, you know, the playoff picture in early December. Yeah, I'm really tired of those seasons, (laughs) especially from a business perspective. We need some more of those 10 win seasons for the 49ers, for sure. The only other thing I want to say about this game, and I bring it up because 
Kyle talked about it in his sort of end of season press conference that he had with John Lynch on Wednesday. The fourth and two decision to punt there just kills me because it's an issue that Kyle has had throughout his tenure with the 49ers, basically with Jimmy Garoppolo under center. He's very, very conservative on fourth down. He's very content to just give the ball away to the other team. And I, it just crushes me. I watch the chiefs. I watch the bills, the chargers, all these teams are going for it on fourth down the Ravens. And here's Kyle Shanahan, one of the youngest head coaches in the league stuck on in this mindset from 1998 and it drives me crazy because I, I think it's hurting the team. I think it's making it harder for them to win. Absolutely. And let, let's let's walk, you know, uh, the listeners kind of through that sequence um, of plays that you're referring to. So I think it was the second to last drive or third to last drive, I believe. They, they start that drive on their own 20, 25, somewhere around there. They have a couple good plays to Elijah Mitchell. They're driving um, and they just passed midfield. First and 10, Elijah Mitchell has a nine-yard carry. And I vividly remember, I was like, oh, man, the run game is starting to lean on the Rams. If they can put together a couple plays here, all of a sudden you take you know, a couple minutes off the clock, maybe you get three points, maybe you get a touchdown, and all of a sudden the, you put the pressure back on the Rams' offense. And so now you have second and one, and Kyle Shanahan said in his press conference, if you go back and watch the tape, you'll see this. They basically call the same play, except they just flip the play side. And so... And Kyle Shanahan loves doing that. If a play works, he just hammers the button over and over again. He'll keep calling the same play. And on that play, if you go back and watch, Eric Weddle, the friggin' 50-year-old safety for the Rams <laughs> who was you know, watching on the couch a couple weeks ago, makes a really good play. He drops down into the box. Um, Trent Sherfield's supposed to come in and block him. And I tweeted the clip out last night. Trent Sherfield just doesn't get the right angle um because Weddle makes a good play and he blows up the play in the backfield you know Elijah Mitchell gets tackled I think if Sherfield makes that block Elijah Mitchell gets the first down and next thing you know you know it's first and 10 and the whole playbook opens up again so they get stuff there it's third and two and then Kyle Shanahan goes to the um Trent Williams and fullback motion play and Kyle and I talked about this last week we thought you know Kyle Shanahan's going to show something um, you know, with this Trent Williams at fullback play, but there's going to be a wrinkle off of it because given how much we've talked about it, given how much that play went viral, they're going to do something else off of it. They're not just going to hand it to Elijah Mitchell and say run behind Trent Williams. There's going to be some other wrinkle. We thought it would be like a throwback pass or something, but, you know, they, they just handed it to check instead. But that play had no shot from the start. The Rams just loaded the box. They blew it up in the backfield, and it ends up being fourth and – it was almost three. It was. It looked like two and a half um, when I rewatched the game. And I think Kyle Shanahan, especially because they got stuffed on those two runs, just got a little tight and a little conservative in that spot. And he thought he could pin them deep. And and ultimately, like you mentioned, you've been extremely outspoken on this. His fourth down decision-making and just game management in those spots has been questionable. He punted three times inside of Rams territory on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I mean... And we'll find out next season. Is that, you know, a Jimmy Garoppolo thing? Um, does that change with Trey Lance? Or is that just how, you know, who Kyle Shanahan is? And ultimately, you know, being a head coach is more than just calling plays. It's about managing these situations. And it's an area that Kyle Shanahan should really look at and start to improve on this offseason, I think at least. And I know you've been extremely outspoken on it. Oh, it drives me absolutely nuts. And, and uh, just to nail the point home, on third and fourth down this year, 
with one to two yards to go, the Niners have converted just 58% of those opportunities. And that is the second worst rate in the entire NFL. How can offensive genius Kyle Shanahan on an offense loaded with stars whose primary skill, by the way, is breaking tackles, not be better in these situations? It blows me away. Same. And he commented on that, I think, um, in the in the press conference on yes. Tuesday. He basically said our short yardage offense wasn't very good um, in those spots. And that's an area, again, they'll look to improve upon. And I think this coaching staff does a good job of self-scouting, I think, in the offseason and looking at, okay, where did we struggle? Where can we improve upon? How can we get creative um, moving forward in the next season? So I think that'll be an area of improvement just in terms of play calling in those spots because it's been consistently an issue, right? We've talked about this all year long. They consistently get stuffed in those spots. They get um, the play calling kind of gets tight or uncreative and the defense always seems to you know, know what's coming, it feels like. And that that happened on Sunday. And, and Shanahan mentioned the game kind of flipped there. And I thought so, too, because the 49ers were driving. They had momentum. You could kind of feel the tension in the stadium. And next thing you know, they get they get stopped and they punt the ball back. I think Wishnowski only netted like 30 yards on that punt. And next thing you know, the Rams are driving the other way. But so that, that was um, a tough decision. Ultimately, did they lose because of that? I don't think so. Um, I think there were a... a there's not a singular play or player that I think you can blame for that loss. I just thought rewatching the game, they were out coached. I thought Raheem Morris um, basically came into the game and said, we're not letting you run the ball down our throats. They played the six, one front um, or the tilt front where they put six defensive linemen and they say, <laughs> they basically cover all the gaps and say, you're not running the ball on us. And you know, the 49ers just struggled to run the ball. I think they had 51 yards or something like that on the ground. And when that happens, this offense, when it consistently has to drop back and pass struggles, given, you know, their offensive line struggles on the right side, given the quarterback, um, they just they just struggle in those spots. And I thought Raheem Morris did a good job. I thought Sean McVay and Matt Stafford were really good as well on the other side. So they deserve to win that game. They, they outplayed the 49ers. And ultimately, I think the right team won that game. So I don't think I think that's why you can come to accept those decisions. I don't think it's like man, if they just flipped this one play or that one play, I don't think it was like, I don't think it was like that. But I have to say, I'm a little impressed with 49ers fans. I went back, I made it a point to highlight uh, Jaquaski Tart's comments after the game. I gave him a ton of credit. He didn't shy away from anything. He took all the responsibility and I did something dangerous. I decided to dive into the comments a little bit. And I got to be honest, I didn't see a single person blaming the game on Tart. And I, you know, in, in that spot, usually fans get crazy emotional and just, you know, love to hammer on that one guy. And to to the faithful's credit, they didn't. It was a lot of understanding, a lot of like, hey, that wasn't the end of the game. I was kind of impressed by that. Hopefully we are starting to evolve a little as fans or we could sort of get past that point. That's the worst part of, of fandom is when they start attacking a player players, family, et cetera. But yeah, I mean, I think I tweeted, I was like, I'm going to see that Kwaski Tart uh, dropped interception in my nightmares just because um, from my vantage point, you just see Matt Stafford float the ball and there's not a soul in sight. And you're like, Kwaski Tart's going to catch this. There's nine <laughs> minutes left. They're getting the ball back. And just the, and, and if I'm thinking that, you know, he's thinking that and he admitted it as much, right? He sees the yep. ball and he's like, oh my God, I can finish this game for the 49ers. And I don't, I don't think that would have happened, but given how their offense was playing, but 
all those things are going through his head and, you know, ultimately just didn't come down with the ball. And, you know, Kyle and I, we, we think highly of him as a safety and just what he brings uh, fundamentally to this defense. So, you know, you know, uh, good players just, just make plays and sometimes, you know, the ball doesn't bounce your way. And I think that was just an instance of that. Um, but kudos to him for stepping up because nor he's not one of the guys that normally speaks to the media post game. He's not one of the four or five guys that is always there regardless of the outcome. So he clearly must have asked to speak and he owned up to it on social media. He owned up to it after the game. So that speaks to his character, who he is as a person. He's obviously a free agent. So who knows what his future is with the team. Uh, we'll find out in about a month. Um, I would not be opposed to having him back um, just because of how good of a player he is, but we'll have to see what his market looks like. And, if he's back with the team, um, do you have any other any other takeaways from that game and um, from from the NFC Championship game? No, I think for my mental health, we should we should move on to the to the discussions uh, Shanahan and Lynch had. Absolutely, and we can start with their coordinators. Uh, one of the news that broke on Tuesday: D'Amico Ryan's uh, turned down his second interview with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, officially choosing to return to the San Francisco 49ers next season and, you know, come back as their defensive coordinator. Kyle Shanahan uh, alluded in his press conference that basically <laughs> Ryan's texted him on the bus uh, after the after the championship game, basically saying, hey, I'm coming back. I'm not interviewing with the Vikings. So um, clearly he had probably decided that probably before the game. I don't think it was a hasty decision he made after the game. I'm sure he talked through it with his family and just, you know, did what's uh, best for him. Um, like Kyle said, D'Amico Ryan's an absolute stud. Um, he was fantastic during this playoff run. Um, you know, obviously they, they struggled a little bit on defense on Sunday. Um, but you just tip your hat to Matt Stafford, Cooper cup, Odell Beckham Jr. And Sean McVay. Sometimes good players just make plays and it's not, a, you know, it, I don't think it's a testament to how good of a uh, defense coordinator D'Amico Ryan's is. I thought, he grew as the season went along. I think he's going to be even better going into next season. I think their personnel is going to improve in the back end, you know, in the secondary with their cornerback play, and that's going to make them more versatile as a defense. And I just, uh, I'm glad he's back with the team. I think he's going to be a head coach um, the, the year after that. He's just too talented, too good of a leader, too good of a coach not to. Uh, what did you think of Ryan's returning? Did, did it surprise you that he didn't take that Vikings job? Um, I, I don't know. I I should say this. I don't know this. This is just rampant speculation for me. We love that. Yes. I think the Vikings made their intentions clear that they want Jim Harbaugh. So maybe D'Amico decided to pull his name out, or maybe he got wind that they really wanted to go with Harbaugh. I don't know the situation. Was I surprised that he is still going to be a 49ers defensive coordinator? Absolutely. And I think it's massive because we still don't know what's going to happen with Mike McDaniel. Now, this this lawsuit from Brian Flores has definitely got to have anybody that's talking to the Miami Dolphins, you know, give them the side eye a little bit where Brian Flores is alleging that the owner of the team supposedly offered him a hundred grand to lose on purpose, which has got to blow your mind. If you're like, if you're Mike McDaniel and you're considering the Dolphins, like that's got to go into your thinking a little bit like, Hey, maybe this isn't the guy I want to work for. Um, but we were potentially, Akash, facing an offseason where the Niners were going to have a rookie quarterback with a new defensive coordinator and a new offensive coordinator. And I know it's Kyle Shanahan's system, but like, that's not the ideal situation for a young guy to step into. And now 
it's possible the Niners go into 2022 with everybody back, which would be fantastic. Absolutely. You go into every offseason and good organizations deal with this all the time where a lot of their coaching you know, staff members or their front office members are getting interviewed for promotions. And it happened this offseason, right? Adam Peters got an interview. Rand Carson got interviews. Ultimately, those guys are back with the 49ers. Um, and then D'Amico Ryans had a couple of interviews. Um, he's back. And then Mike McDaniel, like you mentioned, um, still a candidate, um, a finalist, I should say, with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, him and Kellen Moore are the known finalists. Um, he's supposed to be interviewing on Thursday. But then, like you mentioned, the bombshell news dropped um, about Stephen Ross and just the stuff that's been going on with the Dolphins. And I, I quoted it. I quote tweeted it and said, CC Mike McDaniel. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's a stud. He's, I think, 36 years old. He's going to get opportunities in this league to work, you know, to be a head coach for a different team. So I would be a little bit more picky and choosy um in the opportunity that i take and because for some guys you really only get one chance in this league and you don't want to tie you don't want to hitch your wagon uh to an owner or a franchise like that especially with the news that came out today so it feels like mike mcdaniel um and this again is just speculation no no information uh may return to the 49ers in 2022 kyle shanahan did mention during the press conference that bobby slowick he name dropped him. I had mentioned his name a couple of times as well. Um, he's the passing game specialist. He was a quality control coach for the 49ers a couple of years ago. He would be a candidate to replace McDaniel if McDaniel were to take that job and leave. But yeah, you hit the nail on, on the head. I think a lot of people think this Kyle Shanahan's offense, he calls the plays. We're just going to swap out the offensive coordinator. It's not going to matter. But you know, Kyle Shanahan has a lot of responsibilities as a head coach. The offensive coordinator really is the one that leads meetings during the week. Um, really puts together the install, explains and teaches all those concepts to the players. And, you know, McDaniel's one of the best in the business, um, given how everyone in the building speaks about him. And so losing him and Ryan's would have been tough, but it looks like definitely one of them is coming back and Ryan's, maybe both of them are, are back. And that would be huge, especially with Trey Lance taking over and, you know, uh, trying to get, a, you know, a second year quarterback who really didn't play this season kind of uh, up and running um, next year. And let's say D'Amico does leave after 2022. It gives the staff underneath him a whole year of sort of approaching their jobs with the eye of like, hey, I may be promoted next year. You know, like, I don't know who the, the defensive coordinator in waiting would be for the 49ers, but that person probably knows who they are. And they can go into this in year in 2022 and say, OK. If I was a defensive coordinator here, what would I do? How would I do this? You know, let me let me study what D'Amico Ryans is doing and at, why is he doing that? You know, like it, it's different when you sort of have that mindset ahead of time. So I think it's good on multiple levels that those guys are coming back. Absolutely. There were a lot of good defensive head coaches that were fired this offseason. Mike Zimmer, Vic Fangio. Um, I know Patrick Graham, he was the Giants defensive coordinators, interviewed in a few different spots. So there are a lot of good defensive coaches that are let go that will be looking for jobs. So I wonder if Kyle Shanahan tries to add one of those guys in some type of, you know, senior defensive assistant role like James Betcher has um, in the thinking that, hey, in a year they could potentially take over at defensive coordinator. So he has some options, especially knowing that Ryan's probably sure. only has one season with his team. But so that is a good segue into the 49ers press conference uh, with John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan on tuesday where they spoke for about 40 minutes took a ton of questions from reporters we will talk about that on the flip side after this break
And we're back. So John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan spoke, like I mentioned, for about 40 minutes. I thought that was um, the other thing that was cool about that is that Jimmy Garoppolo also had an individual press conference today. Usually all the players do their exit, you know, media sessions on one day, but they isolated Jimmy Garoppolo. They let him go last after the head coach and the GM. So they kind of just gave him the floor and they just kind of let him run with it. So that was kind of cool. But we'll start with Lynch and Shanahan. Um, is there anything specific that stood out to you that they said? I know you you were intently watching like the rest of us. I definitely will. I think you learn so much at those year-end press conferences because the I think sometimes coaches and GMs are a little looser with some of the stuff they're willing to admit because they don't feel like they're going to give up a competitive advantage like they might during the year. Um, but the, the biggest thing that stuck out to me, I think, was the first question that John Lynch got, which was first or second. It was about the rumor that Boomer Esiason started when he went on WEI and said, don't be surprised if John Lynch goes back to TV. And they asked John Lynch about it. And I got to tell you, it wasn't the most convincing answer I've ever heard, Akash. He kind of like he used the words. Let me just get the actual quote here because I don't want to mess it up. I have not heard that, um, that rumor, um, you know, from time to time opportunities are presented and, uh, I can tell you and tell everyone that, uh, that my commitment right now is to this organization and, uh, you know, feel like it's a real blessing to be a part of this organization. So my commitment is right here and, uh, that's, that's where I'll be. My commitment right now is to this organization. Those two words right now. Like, if you asked someone to marry you and they were like, right now, I want to say yes. Would you really feel good about that proposal? I'm just I'm just saying, I don't think it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be stunned if it did. I've never proposed, and I hope I don't hear uh, right now. It's right, yes. see? Those are two <laughs> words you don't want to hear. Um, and I know we're parsing words. We're trying to be body language experts and things like that. But John Lynn is really good at communicating, at expressing his point. You know, um, that's, you know, he's media guy, obviously, over the past few years. And with the 49ers, that's kind of been his role. He's kind of this spokesperson that always shows up at these press conferences and is very calculated in what he says and well thought out. And I felt like that question kind of caught him off guard. You can watch in the video, you kind of, you'll see him like reach down for something, um, maybe a water bottle or something like that. And his body language just kind of looks uncomfortable. Kyle Shanahan kind of shakes his head. So I wonder if it's true. Obviously, the... Um, I think Amazon is picking up a package for the NFL. They're prepared to make Troy Aikman a big offer, which would leave a void at Fox. A lot of people thought Sean Payton would take that role, but maybe John Lynch was had, you know, maybe Fox offered John Lynch a role there because um, he was the number two guy at Fox before joining the 49ers. So maybe he's been presented an offer. Maybe, you know, I'm sure there's been conversations that have been had behind the scenes. Who knows what, what his thinking is, but, it, it just felt like the question made him kind of uncomfortable, um, made the both of them uncomfortable, and props to the Athletics, Matt Barrows, for asking yes. them that question. Um, and it'll be something to watch, obviously, w moving forward, because um, they've got Adam Peters in-house, who is the assistant GM, who is really their lead scout. Um, and if, you know, if Lynch were to leave and take a different role, they've got a natural replacement in-house that they just elevate someone that from the Bay Area – um, grew up a 49ers fan is has hit on some late picks 
um, which we think is is Peter's area of expertise. So if that were to happen, you know, I think the 49ers have a natural replacement in-house that they can fill in. So I don't know if they necessarily miss a beat there, but I think we're maybe like four steps down <laughs> the speculation rabbit hole and we'll see what um, Lynch decides. But I, to your point, I thought I thought the question just made him uncomfortable, which kind of raised my radar. You know, there was a worry among a lot of people in the fan base when Peters was getting interviewed last year. And even this year, um, I don't I can't think of a better way to say this It's going to sound worse than I mean. But if Lynch left to go to TV, that would kind of solve some of the problem. Like you wouldn't have to worry about Adam Peters leaving anymore because he would just slide into the GM role, like you said. There are people like me that think that John Lynch doesn't do as much as other GMs around the league because Kyle Shanahan has so much on his plate. If he did go back to TV, I would be sad because I like John Lynch. He seems like a good guy. But at the same time, like you said, I do think the 49ers are, are sort of set up to withstand that if it happened. Agreed. Agreed. I think they're in kind of a unique spot with where their scouting staff is that they would have, you know, uh, Adam Peters or even Rand Carthen, who we've heard is he's also a really good scout. So they have a couple candidates that could step into that role and take over um, in-house where I don't think it would be as big of a deal um, as they're making it out to be. Um, but that that was the first thing that that um, kind of caught me off guard. And then obviously all the Jimmy Garoppolo discussion, uh, which we have to hit on. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch kind of they didn't necessarily say that they were going to move Garoppolo in the offseason. They they kind of said that, hey, no decision has been made. But <laughs> if you can kind of sense based on their tone and based on just what they were saying, um, it's clear that, you know, Garoppolo is beloved in that building, um, especially what he did kind of the past month or so with his injuries and toughing it out and playing it, playing through it. They clearly respect the person um in in the building and they're going to do right by him whatever that is so i didn't think they would kind of hang him out to dry in the press conference um so that's why i thought it was even even more cool that they kind of gave him the floor they let him go last and they kind of let him uh have the floor and speak on it and not necessarily saying like hey here's what's happening but if you can read between the lines you knew you knew after listening to them that the team was going to be turned over to Trey Lance in 2022 what did you make of their comments about Jimmy G. Well, the whole thing, I, I agree with you. It's a classic example of don't listen to what they say. Listen to what they do. They said that no decisions have been made, but they gave Jimmy Garoppolo a farewell press conference after they spoke. And in the press conference, Jimmy's last words to the San Francisco media were, I'll miss you guys. <laughs> like It's pretty clear what's happening. But I'll just say this, because Jimmy talked about it and uh, John Lynch was asked about it. John Lynch gave a, a very non-committal answer. And, and that was like the idea of, do you owe Jimmy Garoppolo some say on where he goes? And I am firmly in the camp that the San Francisco 49ers do not owe Jimmy Garoppolo a damn thing. If anything, Jimmy Garoppolo owes the 49ers some money back for all the games he missed. So they better take the best offer that they get. And if that is to the Houston Texans, or the Jacksonville Jack. I mean, it won't be the Jacks because Trevor Lawrence. But you know my point. If it's to the worst <laughs> team in the league, football Siberia, I don't care. The 49ers have a responsibility to take that offer. And I don't care how much you like Jimmy Garoppolo or respect Jimmy Garoppolo. To do anything less than that, to me, is franchise malpractice. And I hope they don't do it. 
I don't I don't think they would do that. I don't think they'd put their team in the spot where they would trade Jimmy Garoppolo to his preferred destination, but take less in the, you know, in the trade package that would be coming back. I really think it compares to the Alex Smith Chiefs situation. Um, Alex Smith was extremely well regarded with that franchise. I know Andy Reid loved the hell out of him. And after that season, which kind of ended similarly, right? They got bounced in the playoffs after winning 10 games, similar to the 49ers. They did right by Alex. They sent him to Washington at the time. Um, Can you really do right by anybody by trading them to Washington? I I, I get that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Alex Smith ended up getting like a fat contract, I think, yes, from did. Washington. So maybe that played a role in it as well. Not necessarily the playing situation. But I think they'll work with Jimmy Garoppolo's representation to send him somewhere that both mutually benefits the team and benefits him as well. Um, I don't think I don't think they'll send him to football football Siberia. I don't. I think they actually really like the human, and somehow you know just the honesty and the openness of the last year where Shanahan and Lynch have been transparent with their plans at quarterback has probably put you know has probably earned Garoppolo's respect. And Garoppolo's play, you know, over the last month or so has probably earned their respect as well. And just how he's handled the situation. Um, that was kind of my takeaway from his his press conference is that he's pros pro, all-time dude. I mean, you know, could you imagine if your employer, um, you know, has your replacement in-house, yet they still want you to come in and work your butt off every day, day in, day out, and compete? Um, knowing full well that you're probably not going to be here next year. And so, you know, it takes a ton of professionalism to take your job seriously and do that day in and day out and not make a fuss about it, not say anything about it, not complain, whatever. And so good on him for doing that. I thought that was pretty cool, despite all the times we criticize him as a player. That's wholly separate. I think, you know, we know he has his limitations as a quarterback, and that's ultimately why the 49ers made the move. But you know, his football character, his football personality. I think um, a lot of players in this locker room uh, really gravitate towards that. And hopefully Trey Lance um, was able to see what Garoppolo was like as a player in the locker room and was is able to kind of learn from that. And hopefully he'll be able, you know, he'll be beloved in the same way in the locker room. Yeah, I disagree with a lot of that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Not surprised. <laughs> If Jimmy Garoppolo was better at his job, his employer wouldn't have brought in his replacement. I, I think that, that that's fair. People make him out to be a victim in this situation, and he is not a victim of the, in this situation. He is the reason that he's in this situation. All of this is happening as a result of Jimmy Garoppolo either getting hurt or not being good enough on the field. Now, that said, he could also have been a professional and not helped Trey Lance. And by all indications he has done that like if jimmy just went out you know studied the playbook as hard as he could and went out and played and didn't complain that would be being a professional it sounds like he has gone above and beyond in that capacity and done more than that which is great that's to his credit again he seems to be a great person uh but i just i'm amazed at sort of the entire send-off that he is getting this isn't a guy that's that's won multiple Super Bowls or a guy that's won multiple MVPs, but never won a Super Bowl. It's a guy who's been here for basically two years, a little over two years in terms of games played. And the team has had some success and some bad years too. So I'm just surprised that he's getting this giant send off. Like he's an all time 49er. Great. Like 
five years from now, I'm not going to look back on the Jimmy Garoppolo era at all, really. Just like I don't look back on the Jeff Garcia era. To me, that's how I think I'm going to think about it. That's fair. But I think, you know, if you ask Chiefs fans about the Alex Smith era, they will tell you that he's beloved in that in that franchise. And the Chiefs did the same thing, right? They knew he was a limited player. They went, swung for the fence, took Patrick Mahomes, sat Patrick Mahomes for a year behind Alex Smith. And obviously the situation is a little different with Garoppolo, I think, because he's missed some games with injury, right? He's missed uh, a couple seasons worth of games. So obviously that's a, that factors into it. But, you know, I think they're, the situations are, are more similar than we think. And um, ultimately I think he's he's always going to be well-liked among the 49ers fan base, despite Agreed. despite the shortcomings in these big games, right? Alex never had that with the Chiefs, where he was never, you know, in the Super Bowl with a lead and then blows it, or in, in the NFC Championship game with a lead and then blows it. Um, but I think as time goes on, you'll look back and be like, man, when Jimmy Garoppolo joined this team, they were, what, 0-9 or 1-10 at that point in 2017. And ultimately, he was part of a team and he was a quarterback for a team that went to a Super Bowl, went to two NFC title games, won a lot of games. And I think that's how it'll be remembered, um, you know, moving forward. So I, I don't mind that. I think that's kind of a class organization move where they're just giving him the floor, giving him the moment to have that farewell sort of press conference. And um, I, th- I think that was a good move on John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan's part. Because um, at the same time, you're also trying to show, you know, potential free agents, potential players 100%. that you're trying to attract that here's how we treat our players, even though we're probably going to trade this guy in two weeks that we're still, you know, we still love him like family and we're going to give him that and they're not shunning him or anything. So I think it's a little bit of all those things mixed together. So I don't mind it at all. And um, I, I do agree with you. I don't think he's like the victim or anything in the situation. Cause ultimately it's his play that put him there. But um, I do think given the situation, he, he handled it really well. That's a really good point. Other people are watching this and they are seeing this and players do talk to one another and I mean, as long as as everything that Jimmy has said is true, you get the feeling that if anybody texted him and said, hey, what's you know, what's the deal with Lynch and Shanahan? He would say, hey, they at least were honest with me about everything, which I think really is what players want more than anything. Even if the news is bad, they want to hear it. They just want to hear it straight. No BS. And they'll you know, they can adapt to that. And it sounds like that's what Jimmy Garoppolo has gotten. And so, you know, it. I do think that the 49ers right now, their reputation is pretty good around the league. They're one of the top organizations, and maybe this handling of the Jimmy Garoppolo thing is why. And you know, Akash, we have seen the other situation where the 49ers name was mud. You know, before Kyle Shanahan got there, it was, you know, Shanahan was the third coach in three years. There were leaks coming out of the organization left, right, and center. The field was was garbage. So we have seen the low times for the organization. And right now it does seem like the 49ers are among the top NFL teams just in terms of class and how they run their team. Absolutely. And I think Barrows tweeted that out too. He said the 49ers were kind of had this like backstabbing, leaking culture before Shanahan Lynch got near. And now look five years later, they're they're gonna trade a player in in you know a month or so. And he's, you know, extremely disappointed by it. And you can tell how much that stuff means to him, but he's still up there uh, being extremely honest about it. So it, it was it was a really interesting press conference. I've never seen that from a player. Usually you see that in like a retirement press conference where they know that, hey, I'm retiring. I'm not going to be here next season um, or something along those lines. But you never see that from or if they're a free agent where they control where they go. Um, you're like, hey, man, I just don't know what the future holds. We'll see what happens. But 
that was weird for a player that's under contract <laughs> to be like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be here. You know, I'm going to miss you guys. Um, and he was, you know, thanking, thanking all the 49ers fans. So it was, it was really weird to see because, you know, once the trade goes down, he's not going to get an opportunity to speak with the media. So that was probably the last press conference you'll see with 49ers media. He'll, you know, once that trade gets executed later, he'll move on to his new team and he'll have a press conference there. But that was his last time probably addressing the 49ers fan base. And so that was a classy way to go out, I'll say. Um, and that'll kind of segue into our next point. Just where do we think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to go? Obviously, you know, he. I think we've kind of come around that he's a starting level quarterback. He's going to make $25 million next season. He's only got one year you know, uh, left. And there are a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. Uh, this is not a very good quarterback draft class. There's not a ton of free agent quarterbacks, and there's a lot of vacancies. So where do we where do we think he ends up? It is like in terms of timing and trading Jimmy Garoppolo, it's not the worst year to have a quarterback that you're willing to deal. Uh, I really thought that Houston could be a could be a possibility with Nick Casario there, considering he drafted Jimmy Garoppolo. But I think they actually kind of like what they saw from Davis Mills at the end of the year. Now, maybe they, you know, they get a new coach and that all changes. But I don't know if Houston is like the sure thing for some reason in my gut. And I don't know why. And I don't have any idea of like the salary cap situation and if this is even possible. But for some reason in my gut, I can see Jimmy Garoppolo in a Steelers uniform next year. Ben Roethlisberger retired. They have a team that I think they think is ready to win. They have a team that's very similar to the 49ers in that they have a good, a really good defense and they have playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. I just wonder if maybe Tomlin and company there look at it like, hey, instead of drafting a guy and taking a chance, let's bring in Jimmy Garoppolo. He's played in big games before and let's see if we can keep this thing going. 100% agree. I think that's the spot as well. And I saw a, there was a picture where I think they photoshopped in Photoshop, Jimmy Garoppolo uh, in a Steelers uniform. And I was like, this yellow doesn't really suit him considering he's been in red and blue, uh, you know, throughout his career. But I think that's a spot. Um, just, you know, the one thing he said was, I just want to go to a place where they're trying to win. And I'm sure that will be, you know, at one of his priorities. Obviously, he's on the wrong side of 30. You know, who knows how many years he has left in his career. And he probably doesn't want to go to a rebuild type situation. So that would be, I think, a pretty good spot considering where the Steelers are in terms of their roster, um, in terms of, the, you know, their avenues to get to a quarterback are probably limited. I don't think they have an answer on the roster. Um, and I think, you know, they could potentially make a move there for Garoppolo. And like you mentioned, I'm not sure what their salary cap situation is. I'm not sure how they'd work that out uh, financially, but I, I could definitely see the fit there. I think Mike Tomlin would really like Jimmy Garoppolo as a competitor. Hell, they made the playoffs with Ben Roethlisberger, who like could not throw the ball more than five yards. So, uh, you know, Garoppolo clearly an upgrade. They'd have, you know, Najee Harris in the backfield. They've got some playmakers on offense. That defense is sweet. And, you know, I think he'd be a fit there. And if you're the 49ers, that's, that's a pretty good deal. You trade him, you know, away from the NFC in, into the AFC, into, you know, a team that you don't see that regularly. So, I you know, I think I feel like that would be a win-win if the Steelers were willing to – part with you know good compensation for Garoppolo I don't know what that compensation would be I wonder if it would be I something tells me it might be similar to the Carson Wentz structure like you give us like maybe it's like a third this year and then the year after it's like a second or a third depending on how much he plays or a third and a fourth something like I, I feel like it's going to be one of those kind of flex trades 
hundred percent. I think I don't think the Fort Niners will get a first round pick uh, for Jimmy no Garoppolo. Um, I do think they'll get a combination of like a day two and a day three pick, like you mentioned. And I think one of those will be conditional, depending on you know how many games he plays, if they make the playoffs, etc. Exactly structured like the Carson Wentz deal, and you know it's it's a supply and demand thing. There's only so many starting level quarterbacks in the NFL. If Carson Wentz and Sam Darnold got traded for a couple mid round picks. Um, I think Jimmy Garoppolo will will definitely get that, especially the way he's handled this situation, you know, towards the end of the season. Because um, that's the other thing I took away. He's also trying to, you know, audition for potential employers like today. And I'm sure teams around the NFL saw that and they saw how his teammates have spoken about him. And that's probably only upped his trade value potentially to a team like the Steelers who are really like a quarterback away from potentially, you know, being right back in the mix as a playoff team. So. I can see that, but I think just it, it feels – we talked about this before you hit record. It just feels kind of like the end of an era. I know they didn't win like a Super Bowl, and maybe it'll get lost in the shuffle, but it feels very similar to the 2011 to 2013 run that Jim Harbaugh had. This yes. 2019 to 2021 stretch, they've they've won 33 games. They've made a couple NFC titles. They've made a Super Bowl, um, and Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback for the majority of those games, and you know he's no longer going to be here, so – it just feels kind of weird from that from that sentiment, and to see him get up there on that podium today and talk like that, it was. Um, I think a lot of 49ers fans kind of felt sad, considering they were probably you know uh, trashing him a couple of days ago after the NFC title game. Well, but don't be sad. Like the the difference between the end of this era, if you want to call it that, and the end of the Harbaugh era is like Justin Smith retired. Patrick Willis retired. Like those 49ers Harbaugh teams were losing talent and losing people. That's not the case with this team. The coach is still here. Kittle's still here. Ayuk, Debo, Bosa, Warner. Like, so even though it is sort of the end of the Jimmy Garoppolo chapter, uh, the good news for the 49ers is that it's not like the end of the Harbaugh era. It is not like that at all, which, so I understand why some people might be sad that Jimmy's going hopefully be happy now that you know even though that is ending we not aren't necessarily back down the bottom of the mountain at you know five and 11 or five and 12 now you know six and 13 whatever the numbers have to be (laughs) absolutely and now moving forward it's gonna be in the hands of trey lance kyle shanahan you know they obviously traded three first round picks for him last season they thought that he was the guy to lead their franchise and now you know there's no there's no uh, net below them, right? They had that this season where they, they had Jimmy Garoppolo in their back pocket in case they needed it, but they won't have that moving forward. The, they're going to turn the team over to Trey Lance once they trade Jimmy Garoppolo, and it's going to be his show moving forward, and hopefully they were right with their evaluation and hopefully their development this past season um, without actually playing him in, you know, in the games was worth it. Hopefully he spends the offseason you know, working on his throwing motion, working on his footwork, um, and comes back a better player. Um, Shanahan mentioned this. Lance is going to be in Southern California working with his uh, quarterback coach. I think it's Sean McAvoy. He spent some time with him last se- last offseason. Brandon Ayuk will be down there. So hopefully he gets some good work in. Hopefully they come back and they're ready to go. But I think the other part of it that's kind of uncertain is you don't know what to expect from Trey Lance. You saw him for a couple games, and you saw some flashes, which makes you believe a little bit. But you don't know what he's going to do in, you know, a 17 game season um, as the starting quarterback uh, for the 49ers. But 
it's, it's exciting at the same time, but it's a little uncertain as you're you can't necessarily forecast what this team's going to look like, especially given the salary cap space that they're probably going to have, and you know uh, the spending power that, that they'll have this offseason to really put a good roster around Lance. Every time I get a little sad, I fire up Trey Lance highlights. I'm not going to lie, uh, but you're right. We don't know. We we don't know what he's going to be. And I'm sure there are going to be plenty of things about Trey Lance as we get more familiar with him that drive us crazy, just like there were things about Jimmy Garoppolo that drive us crazy. Like, that's going to be everybody. Um, but I I just, I am excited. I do have faith that they have picked somebody that I think that they can win with. My biggest thing with Lance is I hope that he just doesn't turn the ball over in crucial, crucial situations the way Jimmy Garoppolo seemed to have a knack of doing. So even like that change for me will be so welcome. But you're right. There's a lot of questions to be answered. And, and Lance is going to be under the microscope now in a way that he never was before. He's got a lot of boxes that he needs to check as he comes back. Can he check on his footwork? Can he check on his throwing motion? You know, Kyle Shanahan mentioned that he had never done a seven step drop before. You know, like those are all things that need to get ironed out. And, uh, you know, it's easier to be the backup quarterback because everyone just assumes, well, you got to be better than the starter. The starter's terrible. Now those expectations are going to be on him. And it's that's going to be the number one biggest storyline of the 2022 season for the 49ers is how does he live up to those? Absolutely. And th- this was a 49ers quarterback plan going into this season. And a lot of us, including myself, were wrong. I thought Trey Lance should have started earlier this season. And Kyle Shanahan basically said at three and five, if their season kept trending in that direction, Lance eventually would have started. Um, but they were able to string off four straight wins. They put themselves back in position to make the playoffs. And that thought went out the window. And Lance eventually only ended up starting that one game due to you know an injury for Garoppolo. But yeah, there there's that uncertainty with, you know, you just don't know, you know, what to expect. And hopefully the 49ers made the right decision by playing Garoppolo this season, developing Lance behind the scenes. Hopefully he uses this complete offseason to focus on his mechanics, his, you know, play as a quarterback, and then he comes in and he's ready to go. You know, he has a year under his belt in this offense, and hopefully he can hit the ground running in OTAs when that begins kind of in, in the springtime. And, you know, that ultimately him and Kyle Shanahan will determine what this 49ers team looks like in 2022 and, and kind of moving forward. So um, that only time will tell what what happens with them and, and this team. But is there anything else that you took away from that press conference or Jimmy Garoppolo's or any of the players that spoke yesterday? Um, the only other thing I want to say is, and I feel like I need to get this down now because I'll, number one, I'll forget it by the time the season comes around again, but I think it's going to ultimately prove to be true. I think you're, it's going to take time for Lance to develop and also for Kyle to understand how to call plays for him. I think that their offense is, you can't really judge that offense with them until like the middle of the season next year. When I think that there'll be enough film for Kyle to have significant time to study it and see what defenses are doing and for Lance to get his feet wet. I think their offense is going to look so much better at the end of 2022 than it will to start. And I think that that might get lost on people because we're going to be so excited to see Trey Lance, like the new shiny car, you know, right out of the gate. And I think we need to have a little patience. So I'm saying it now in February when it's a hell of a lot easier to have patience. Absolutely. And he's going to be a 22-year-old kid when he starts for the San Francisco 49ers on a team that's loaded with talent that's probably going to have playoff expectations with 
Shanahan and that defense and that talent. Um, and that that's a lot of pressure for someone that's 22 year old. That's a 22 year old to handle as he becomes a, you know, a full-time starter for the first time. So I completely agree. I think there's going to be growing pains. Um, I don't think, you know, we'll, we'll find out if it's a smooth transition or not, but I would, you know, agree with Rob and just preach patience for the 49ers fan base. Cause he's shown flashes. He's shown that he's capable in spots. I just think, you know, with playing time, with experience, with reps, those things will just get ironed out. And he has a really good, you know, structure in place with the talent around him, with the coaches around him, um, you know, with the team around him to be successful. And now it's just up to them to put that together. But ultimately, yeah, that's uh, that's all she wrote on the 2021 49ers season. It has been one hell of a ride uh, this year, considering there were three and five at one point, lost four straight. Kyle and I were breaking down losses and, it was brutal when you when you go back and watch the games midweek and they're just not executing to winning, you know, nine of 11 games at one point and winning a couple road playoff games. And ultimately, it was a fantastic season. Um, I'd call it a successful season despite the loss because um, only one team's going to walk away with the Super Bowl and I never had Super Bowl expectations for this team coming in and and I think they they overachieved. So good on that. Um, we also really, really appreciate everyone that's listened uh, drop reviews, giving us ratings um, at Niners Nation Podcast Network, wherever you listen to the podcast. Um, it's been, I think, the biggest month um, Rob mentioned. So we appreciate everyone listening. We're going to keep bringing the content. We're going to keep, you know, talking about this team, even though it's technically the offseason. The combine's just around the corner in a couple weeks. Free agency will be right after that. The, the NFL draft will be, you know, a month later. And Next thing you know, we'll be right back into OTAs and training camp before you know it. So thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for listening with us this season. Rob, where can we find you on social? I am on Twitter and Instagram at Stats on Fire. Feel free to hit me up at any time. I'll still be doing Twitter spaces on Mondays, probably sneak some Fridays in there too. So there, there'll be plenty to talk about for sure. Your Twitter, your Twitter spaces are popping. Usually I'll, I'll see them at the top and uh, there's a lot of uh, good commentary going on there. So definitely do join. You can find me at Twitter at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. Wow, I struggled to spell my own name there. Uh, but appreciate you for listening and go Niners.